1: I tend to, if I look at a theme in my work, it seems to be people who are transitioning from a place of vulnerability to either a place of strength or contentment or healing. I think I enjoy people telling their story of the struggle to get well, to get healed, get better, to get on their own two feet. I'm not sure you're gonna have a purposeful life without being a volunteer in some aspect perspective always for me leads to gratitude I decided to become a one-man band so that charities could afford me but the other reason I decided to become a one-man band is because I knew I was shooting intimate stuff
0: today's personal purpose is Rob Theakins Rob has spent his career as a writer executive creative director and chief creative officer at some of the most respected advertising agencies in America He has creatively led and won awards on some of the most recognized global brands in the world including Target, Citibank, P&G, BMW, Porsche, Four Seasons, Volvo, Hilton, and Goldman Sachs to name a few. He is now taking his skills and applying it where it is needed most, helping brands, NGOs, and charities activate their cause, marketing, and helping nonprofits with issue raising instead of merely focusing on fundraising. Rob is an award-winning filmmaker and wonderful storyteller who is skilled at creating viral films and mini-docs that drive engagement and emotionally connect followers to charities. Over the last two years, Rob's Humanitarian Films received over 20 awards from differing film festivals. He creates inspirational films designed for social media that emotionally connect people to charities and causes. Rob has filmed and won awards for everything, from ex-poachers in the Serengeti to hospice caregivers to homeless veterans. Rob shoots at cost for nonprofits and charities as a way to give back. In his spare time, Rob is a hospice volunteer. Rob is also a former member of Facebook’s Creative Council, has advanced training in digital marketing from the Wharton School, evaluating social programs from MIT and humanitarian response to conflict and disaster from Harvard. Rob has a strong legacy in pro bono work, and in 2015, the work he led for Doctors of the World resulted in Ebola workers being named Times Person of the Year. In 2015, his agency launched City Bike in New York City, which was later named Best Integrated Campaign of the Year by AdAge and Creativity. Mashable named one of his agency's viral videos for the Anti-Defamation League as one of the 10 most inspirational viral films of the year. His agency created the first PSA video to hit YouTube's top 10 leaderboard. And his agency's campaign for ad councils, Adopt a Foster Child, is still running after 10 years. His agency's campaign for Boost to prevent high school kids from dropping out won numerous awards. He led the creative campaign for Mayor Bloomberg's campaign to prevent grade school absenteeism. And he was a member of the ad council's creative review committee for 10 years, as well as a chair of the creative review committee for 5 years. Interviewing Rob was such a wonderful experience. He has so much to share about purpose and such a unique spin on the volunteering aspects of purpose, the storytelling aspects of purpose, and just what it takes to really highlight someone's story and show their impact. I learned so much from Rob. He's a fan of People of Purpose, now reaching out to be a guest, and I'm excited for you to get to learn from him as well. Please enjoy today's interview with today's person of purpose, Rob Feekins. Good morning, Rob Feekins, and welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. Such a blessing to have you here today. Appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks for for having me, Tanner. I I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so this is a very interesting opportunity because you found me as a listener to the show, and I think... This, this happened when I first started, you know, like I would have friends, family, you know, loosely connected people through work, like listen to me and then want to be on the show or have someone want to be on. But it's very cool to have someone I have zero connection to that finds me and reaches out. And you are, in fact, quite a person of purpose after doing research.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny. It's in this time of COVID, right? Uh, I find myself listening to a ton of podcasts. Whether I'm biking or running or or whatever, and uh, I was trying to find more meaningful podcasts, and so I literally typed in "people with purpose" podcasts and you popped up. So it's very cool. Wow,
0: yeah, um, and I think that you told me that when you when you found it, you I mean, did you just dig in right? Like, what what did you listen to right away, and how did it
1: you know resonate with you? Um, I listen you know, cause there were so many episodes. So, um, I think the first one I listened to was, uh, a woman by the name of Wendy Yates, uh, which was, uh, changing the world with lifestyle, um, uh, design, uh, and, and stuff. And then I listened to another one, I think, uh, Matt Ellings- Ellingson on, uh, Uh, Effective disaster relief because it's something I've worked in in the past and would like to do more of Mm -hmm. so uh, Disaster relief, I think is really needed. So uh, those are the two I listened to uh, to start And I also like that it was an hour format You know, you know sometimes half-hour formats just uh, you don't get enough information. So I really like that it was An hour format
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to introduce uh, you and Matt because I think you guys could do some really cool collaborations, right? Awesome. And then why did you want to reach out and be a guest? What is it that you know, made you feel called to sit on, on the other side and get recorded?
1: Well, you know, at first you're like, God, this sounds so egotistical to reach out. But um, <laughs> what, one of the hard things about being a, a filmmaker um, for charities and humanitarian causes is that we don't have a lot of representation. So if I was a commercial Filmmaker, if I was shooting, you know, food or, or models, there'd be tons of production companies and commercial reps who would rent me because there's a lot of money in it. But in terms of what I'm doing, uh, shooting for charities and causes, there's not a lot of money. So it's it's that's almost that border between journalism and commercial filmmaking. And so because there's no money, there aren't any really commercial reps um, interested. So there's a real gap. For a lot of charities, you know, where do they find a production house? Where do they find a filmmaker when they want to film? Because there are no real production houses or or reps to rep you. And so part of what I just want to get my 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 name out, my my company out for all humankind, because I really think, you know, in terms of what I'm doing, I'm kind of a, a steal, if you will, for for a charity. Um, and we can get into that later, but I just want to become better known so people can take advantage of me.
0: Yeah, definitely. When did you start to consider yourself to be a person of purpose? Because that does take quite a bit of courage, just just on this step of purpose, you know, to reach out and be a guest. That takes a lot of courage, but I'm sure there were 20,000 yeah. 20, steps before this that required the courage to say, yeah. no, I'm a person of purpose. I'm not doing this, you know, for a different ulterior motive.
1: Well, well. So I'm going to jump back to my childhood for a second, and then I'll zoom into the present. Perfect. When I was growing up, there were six kids, and uh, my mom, who you could describe as a charitable, charitable person, she always insisted that in high school, we volunteer four hours a week, all of us. So my sisters were like candy stripers at the hospital. I was a junior corpsman at the hospital. Um, and four hours doesn't sound like much, Right. But it was New Jersey. Um, It was an era of a lot of partying. (laughs) And the last thing I wanted to do was be in a hospital taking a lab sample somewhere on a Friday night. Right. Um, But, you know, that stuff. And then my mom would do stuff like put me in community work programs with, say, disadvantaged youths. Um, In college, I was going to be a teacher so I, I took the opportunity to go to a Flathead Indian Reservation in Ronan, Montana, and I was a teacher at the Kicking Horse Job Course Center. And so just all those little touches of volunteering and whatnot, I think in your youth, mm-hmm. stick with you. right? So fast forward to my advertising career, where I was in advertising as a creative director for 30 years, And one of the stuff I enjoyed the most was the cause work. Right. So whether it was working for, say, adopt a foster child, um, my agency and my team brought City Bike to New York um, and made it the most successful bike share program in the world. Um, And I worked on Ad Council. I was a creative review chair for Ad Council. Towards the end of my career, that was the stuff, frankly, that just interested me the most. Um, We helped make... The Ebola worker, Time Magazine's Person of the Year in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that kind of stuff just moved me the most. Whether it was for a commercial client like City and doing City Bike, or whether it was working for a nonprofit, I had been in the business for thirty some odd years. I, my last job was at a, I was at a company where I was president and chief creative, creative officer of a company that went from. Two hundred people to eight hundred people in eight years wow, and i was just, I was just uh, we are highly successful, but I was honestly I'd gone through a physical toll so i was I was uh you know extremely um, I wanted a break, so I stepped away, and I think that's when actually my life of purpose started to happen a little bit i mean, and by that, I mean, what does that mean for me it was I knew i I wanted to help. I wanted to take my marketing skills and help those who needed it most. And I knew those were nonprofits. So I thought I would help nonprofits. um, And also uh, whether that was consulting or whatnot, I hadn't quite decided I'd be a filmmaker yet, you know, help them with social media and whatnot. Um, And I also started to read, you know, I would read, you know, I joined a men's group uh, through my church And this group reads um, everything from Richard Rohr, uh, who's a Franciscan priest in Albuquerque, to the Book of Joy by the Desmond Tutu and Dalai Lama. Um, You know, we just read a a ton of stuff. And I think, you know, that's a long-winded answer, but I think I've really started my uh, road to purpose, really the last three years, four years, you know, ever since I kind of stepped out of advertising and started doing this. Um, I'm not sure I was really on a road of purpose before then.
0: Right. And then I noticed like looking through your blog that you had, um, a cancer battle.
1: Yes. And then that
0: kind of, how did that affect your decision to pursue a life of purpose?
1: Yeah. You know, it's such a cliche to say I got cancer and I changed my life. So in, 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 I guess in my case, cancer did a number of things for me. Number one, I think it humbles everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And number two, it really introduced me to gratitude. I mean, I had always felt lucky in my life. I'd always felt um, lucky to have my wife, lucky to have my two daughters, Mm -hmm. lucky to have the job I had. But, you know, going through cancer where you're so vulnerable, and I was in bed, I had three operations, after which one of, I was bed bound for a month. I was on a liquid diet for a month. I was 145 pounds when I got out of bed. And that kind of stuff, you know, really affects you in terms of confirming, I think, what I wanted to do. It didn't change my life, but it confirmed, no, I am not, because I was getting offers to go back to advertising. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to, I'm going to really help these nonprofits and causes with uh with helping them communicate their stories. Cause I thought there was a lot of there's a lot of great ad campaigns out there for charities or causes and what have you. Effective, dramatic campaigns, but there wasn't a lot of authentic storytelling and content connecting you to what that charity is doing on the ground, say in Africa. You know, where is that film of the fact that your dollar goes to this kid in Africa who now doesn't have to, because now they have a well in the town, she doesn't have to get water all day long. She can go to school. And because she can go to school, she can now have a life. Mm -hmm. So I just thought there wasn't a lot of that going. So the cancer, to answer your question, just confirmed that I wanted to help nonprofits and I wanted to commit to that. Um, And I think it also made me, uh, introduce me to the word gratitude, which has changed my life. Enormously, i can 't think of anything more important to have in your life than gratitude,
0: oh yeah, of course i mean i don 't know how much you know my story, but it 's very similar it 's like, yeah, I came face to face with death when I was nineteen. I fell down a mountain, slept you know in, at Yosemite National Park, oh. slept on the rocks in a stretcher, um, got airlifted out by a helicopter, and then you know started my rehabilitation and healing journey, and that that showed me how fragile life is how far off of my purpose I was living, yeah. how much I was living a story that was someone else's making rather than my own. Um, and it it humbled me and gave me gratitude towards towards my creator. And yeah. you know, it really deepened my faith in you know having meaning and significance to life and being able to start clean and you know try to stay on an authentic path that, you know, you giving these wonderful gifts to influence the world. To you know, reflect you know the purity which with like you're created from, and you're squandering them, and you feel you know called to called to do something you know more committed to them, and um, I, I really appreciate that you know you're another another soul out there that has has felt that as well. It's such a camaraderie I feel with that kind of you know coming into purpose because that's similar how mine was.
1: Yeah, that's powerful, Tanner. That's powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Death is a powerful thing. Yeah. When you're telling these people's stories, are you, how are, I don't know what I want to ask here, but it's like, are you, um, do you, do you tend to have any sort of thesis to this? Like, are you, are you pointing out the fragility of life? Are you pointing out like, um, the, the need to, mm. to highlight their gifts and their stories? Are you, you know, are you trying to cross over cultural barriers? Like, do you have a common theme going on here?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I'm asked that a lot. Um, I tend to, if I look at a theme in my work, it seems to be people who are transitioning from a place of vulnerability to either a place of strength or contentment or healing. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's, whether that's a homeless veteran who was a drug addict their entire life, and is now sober and, and becoming a drug counselor, or whether that's a man in Tanzania who was a poacher, right. you know, to provide for his family, and is now a beekeeper. You know, I tend to like stories of people who have struggled, are struggling, and are trying to find a path. Or even like, you know, I've done a lot of work, a lot of film work for regional hospice in Danbury, Connecticut. And those are stories generally of talking to caregivers who have gone through hospice care. And those are people who are going through grief, right? every stage of grief and, and they're struggling to find a normal life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I enjoy people telling their story of the struggle to get well, to get healed, to get better, to get on their own two feet. Right. You know, those are the stories I like the most. And it doesn't matter, matter whether it's, poaching, hospice, homeless, veterans, what have you. I I find those the most interesting. You know, obviously I also shoot um, some uh, adventure trekking filmmaking, which doesn't seem to make sense. But but I, I look at it as if these trekking companies are trying to get people closer to nature and getting people to understand the effects of climate change, then that's all part of my mission to try to film and create um, people who are trying to make the world a better place so
0: yeah I love it and I did notice that too about the stories you tell that's why I was just kind of curious I didn't want I just wanted to create an open-ended question for you to see how you took it yeah yeah I I love that like I I noticed that you're doing that you're highlighting the poacher becoming like the protector and so forth and I mean yeah that's really important to to dig in and like showcase that kind of story because so often that the news is talking about the other way around um how somebody you know went from being like you know in this type of situation to now he's killing and kidnapping and and so forth and you tell a more refreshing spin on it and it's such like a emotional i th- when i was watching this stuff i'm mostly driven by my emotions when i'm watching like yeah the way you do music the way you do the panning yeah uh, and it feels like i'm standing right there in like you know a, a village like you know, in Africa with, with somebody like, it's yeah. it's an incredible experience because, you know, you are there as a one man person. It's not this highly produced thing. It feels like yeah something, yeah. you know, I'm right there next to you. And I love, I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, I just think like oftentimes people will donate to a charity, you know, and charities are completely focused on fundraising, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and understandably so. Um, but I think what they don't, and so what they tend to do is hire fundraisers versus people who are in marketing. And, and, uh, and so I think what they miss out on is they, they're focused on fundraising versus, say, issue raising. You know, what is the issue that we are trying to solve? And what is the thing that's going to connect you, Tanner, to this charity? And so I, I think those stories of getting on the ground and seeing where your dollar actually goes... And the fact that you've just taken one more poacher out of the Serengeti and put them in a shop because you gave them entrepreneur training or made them a beekeeper or made them, you know, a seamstress. Those are the kind of stories that go, okay, that's where the money goes. I want to contribute to that because I believe in that. Right. Um, that's really what I want to do, you know, um, and help you just understand their mission better on the ground and the issues that they're fighting.
0: Right. Um, I just want to go back a little bit before we jump fully into like what you're doing. Yeah. When did you know that part of fulfilling your sense of purpose was honing your craft as a storyteller?
1: That's a good question. So I think the turning point was, I thought what I would do is, you know, when I got sick, it, you know, with the cancer, it confirmed that I was going to help nonprofits and charities and causes. But I thought I would be consulting them Um, You know, I do everything from, you know, a mission statement workshop, you know, I do a half day one day, I helped them, you know, I was on the Facebook creative council for years. So I helped them understand how to create a content calendar and how to create themes for their content. Um, But I hadn't actually decided I was going to be a filmmaker yet. So after I came out of cancer, I was uh, mentoring this kid who was a graphic designer, And, you know, I said to her, I go, you know, as a graphic designer, you clearly have a skill set, but everything in advertising and communication stays about storytelling. And can you tell a story? And someone might look at you as a graphic designer and go, well, you're good as an art director and you're good as, but can you tell a story? And I said, maybe, maybe you should take a class in documentary filmmaking. And so we went online, we were meeting for coffee, we went online at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. And there was this class about documentary filmmaking, and I'm reading the synopsis of the class with her. And I said to myself, I'm gonna take this class. And she actually never took it, I took it. And it was taught by a guy by the name of Fred Rendina, and he still teaches there, and if you have a chance, anyone from New York City, um, it's a great class, because it teaches you what makes a great documentary. You watch a lot of great documentaries, you discuss what is it that makes a great documentary. But then there's a practical aspect to the course and you have to make a film. So this was 2016. I was campaigning for Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire. And so was my wife. Mm-hmm. And I decided to film my wife campaigning in New Hampshire. And at times it could be confrontational, you know, when you come up to a door and knock on a door and say you're campaigning for Hillary. Um, and it was a good exercise as a filmmaker cause you're thrown right into the mix. You know, it taught it taught me right away. How am I going to tell this story? How am I going to make it interesting? I thought it wasn't going to be a very good mini doc because, frankly, we all knew how it was going to end. And then I filmed it right through election night when there was a big surprise, obviously, and Hillary lost. And um, and it was devastating for my wife. And uh, so that was a great that was a great. Tanner, that was a great way for me to really, even though my entire career in advertising, I was storytelling. This is a great way from the documentary point of view to really start to understand how do you tell a story in a compelling fashion or even compelling fashion? How do you connect people emotionally to your story? And that class was great for me. Right. And then I started to direct after that and uh, I kind of went from there. Right. And I also realized the other thing is that most nonprofits You know, particularly right now in the day of COVID, right? People have lost a lot of money. People are struggling. People are going to be very judicious. If they do contribute money to a charity, where are they going to do it? And now's the time that charities actually have to separate themselves even more. And they have to tell their story. They have to make their story compelling or connect emotionally with you for you to donate to them. And I don't see many charities really doing that. They just do their fundraiser, expect you to come and expect you to contribute versus connecting you. So I like all of that, by the
0: way. One thing that comes to mind when you're telling that story about following your wife around on the campaign trail, when she has that moment, and you, you, I heard you mention she felt devastated when, when Hillary lost. When she's having that moment, are you picking up the camera and filming that or are you being with her as a person or how do you handle that tension?
1: So Tanner, you're newly married. Yeah. Um, I've been married for a while. Um, and I knew my wife at that moment might be upset with me if I was filming. I had the camera on my lap. I turned the camera on. I didn't pick it up, put it on my shoulder. I turned it on. It was a wide angle lens. And I filmed her. And when she noticed that I was filming and she saw the red light, she said, stop filming. And I did. But I wanted to just very quietly capture what was going on with her. And so I turned it on and, and aimed it at her from my lap. And when she told me to turn it off, I turned it off. I mean, I'd never want to film anyone if they don't want to be filmed. Right. It's an invasion of privacy. Um, but I thought at the same time, it was important to get that shot. You know, when you campaign for somebody, by the way, this is a huge digression, everyone in their life at some point should campaign for, for a, a politician because you learn so much on the campaign trail, going door to door. I, I learned so much that fall about people, how they felt about the previous administration, how they felt let down. Uh, independents who had voted for Obama who are now going to vote for Trump and why? Um, you learn a tremendous amount about people in America when you campaign, and so it was powerful. And I and I I really enjoy it. I really suggest it's a shame we can't do it this year. Oh yeah, because um, with COVID, no one's going to go door to door. But um, um, it's a great experience. And uh, but I would say again, you know, even when I would come up to doors in New Hampshire with that camera if no one wanted to be filmed i'd shut it off immediately so and i'd always ask permission and at the beginning of it and what have you and i think you have to respect that
0: yeah of course yeah not what you said is super true about campaigning. i did 2008 obama's uh campaign and yeah um that was incredible i was in high school at that point and i was doing it with some of my best friends we were on on the debate team in high school and <laughs> uh, we thought obama had some good ideas and we were yeah got linked up with the democratic party of kansas and started canvassing neighborhoods and it wasn't necessarily campaigning it was like information gathering right right conversation hosting and that type of thing and yeah i i super enjoyed that it gives you a sense of like what your neighbors think right. and you know, what, what a community like, feeling is. And um, you see how people are hurting and, and what their pain is. And,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And what they're going through, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's really a great way to connect. Yeah.
0: What, what got you so involved in the charitable nonprofit work? Do you have some sort of personal connection to it or some charity that you've supported or someone that's been deeply impacted by charitable work?
1: I think it goes back to what I was saying about my mom, mm-hmm. you know, that the fact that my mom always made us volunteer when we were in high school. And, uh, you know, there was, you know, growing up in my town, my town was uh, I grew up in New Jersey. And so it, it was integrated. But there was a town, there was a part of the town that was segregated and it was the black section of town. and It was called the hollow. And my mom used to do stuff like drive me into the hollow to buy ice cream. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I don't think there is a better ice cream store than that store was in the hollow. And, but my mom would always drive me in there because she thought it was important that I understand the other side. And she also threw me into a work program where I worked in the hollow for a summer with, uh, Black youth, and uh, we would work together as teams, painting, refurbishing houses, and whatnot. Um, So so my mom was always big in charity, and you know, and I'd watch my mom volunteer and do stuff. And then, in like I said, in advertising, I always made sure that we were working on pro bono. And as I got higher up in the organizations I was in. And I had a little bit more say, if you will, I'd always make sure that we were doing pro bono work. And I worked with ad council quite a bit. So we did the adopt a foster child campaign, which now has led to 60,000 adoptions. Obviously that isn't all because of the campaign by any means. It just created awareness around it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I worked with a lot of charitable organizations when, when I was working with ad council and, uh, and I just, I, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I've had a lot of different clients in my life mm-hmm. and I had some great clients in advertising. You know, I worked on Porsche. I worked on Target. Um, I worked, you know, my city bike, my Citibank clients were amazing. Um, but I also had some clients who were not so nice. And my clients today in this world are phenomenal. And we might have the same old arguments, you know, about a cut. Why isn't my logo up longer? Why isn't my logo at the beginning of the film? But at the end of the day, I'm sitting there and I'm going, this person's trying to change the world. She's trying to change the world. He's trying to change the world. Every single one of my clients are trying to change the world. And it makes those arguments or discussions, I should say, all the more where I'm just more understanding of what they're going through and what have you. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, I don't know Tanner. I think it comes back from a little bit the childhood um, and stuff that sticks with you. Um, right. But having said that, I spent a big part of my ad career where I never volunteered one on one with anyone. You know, I was doing ad campaigns for charities, but I wasn't volunteering. Um, I just didn't have the time. I was, I was, I had two kids, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I just couldn't find the time. Right. And now I think, I think it's important that everybody volunteers a little bit in their life. There is something, you know, here I am this filmmaker who's shooting for charities, but I also am, you know, I'm a hospice volunteer. Mm-hmm. And, and once a week I call this man because it's COVID, we can't go to their house anymore. But once a week I call this gentleman who's dying and I talk to him for an hour. Right. And that's as important as the films I do. And I think, uh, you know, you talk about a purposeful life. I'm not sure you can have a purposeful life without being a volunteer in some aspect. You know, I drive to a food bank every week um, during COVID because there's such a food insecurity crisis right now in this country. Um, and uh, I don't know if you can have a life of purpose without volunteering.
0: Yeah. That's an amazing, amazing thought. Yes. I, yeah, I would say if you, if you define volunteering as like doing things without needing to, to receive some sort of like, benefit and return and of course like this podcast interview is both of us volunteering our time right now to share about projects that are not yeah you know are also not going to yield us some sort of like monetary return on our time it's it's something much greater than that it's like a return on like people capital return on impact it's a return on like you know, getting to collaborate with, with people like, like you get to do and change the world because you're putting these minds and these and these hearts that are aligned to something much greater than themselves. Yeah. And you're creating something that tells a story of someone else that's going through that journey. Uh, it's such a beautiful cycle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. You know, and there's that funny thing when you volunteer, right? I always feel, I call it the, the selfish reward. Uh-huh. You know, that sometimes I, when I would, leave hospice. Um, you know, if you're having a bad day and you go to hospice and you volunteer for a four hour shift, I guarantee you, you're going to walk out of there with perspective and, uh, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the one thing I, I, I sometimes would debate with myself. Is it okay? Right. That I'm actually getting the greater reward. And is that fair? And, um, and I still wrestle with it mm-hmm. but i th- but I think um that's also the joy of it right so um um i I think you know the the reward it's not just the reward of of what happens when you volunteer, but it's also I think the personal growth right because we all i mean the one thing that I've tried to learn more in my life, and I've got a long way to go is perspective right you know uh and perspective leads to gratitude. You know, we all think, God, woe is me. Look what's going on in my life. I've lost my job. Right. I didn't get that job. Um, this film shoot fell through because of COVID. Everything's canceled. Woe is me. And then you turn around, you look at someone else. So I think, you know, perspective always for me leads to gratitude. You know, there's a great book, and I'm really going off, so stop me if you want. <laughs> there's a great book called The Book of Joy with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And if You read any chapter in that book, read chapter four, which is called, if I can recall, Nothing Beautiful Happens Without a Little Suffering. And he describes having a gallbladder attack in India, being driven to a hospital, being very self-absorbed. And then he sees a man by the side of the road when they're stopped at a red light. And he realizes that man doesn't have long to live. It's a beggar on the side of the road. And I'm reading this chapter and I'm going, that is exactly what I went through with my cancer. You get cancer, you get the diagnosis. What was me? Why did I get it? Why did I get it now? Why me? Then you walk into Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale, New Haven. You see people in far worse shape than you, uh, really struggling. Maybe I've lost some limbs, can't walk. And it gives you perspective. Then you have your operations. Um, you know, my God, I was so weak after my, I I didn't know what I would have done without my wife. So perspective goes to gratitude. You're so grateful to your surgical team, your doctors, your wife, your daughters. Um, and then that gratitude turns to compassion. What could I do for somebody else? And eight weeks later, I was a volunteer at hospice. Mm -hmm. And then that turns to generosity. What can I actively do? Um, and then, you know, I'm trying to do this career where, I'm shooting films and telling stories of what people are doing to try to make the world a better place. So, mm-hmm. um, that, that list or that, that path, I should say from perspective to gratitude, to compassion to generosity is a great path. I think for anyone, you know, and, and, uh, that's what I'm trying to learn.
0: Well, um, I want to talk to the audience real quick. Um, if you're listening to, to our interview right now with, with Rob and I, and you are feeling, you know, drawn to live a more purposeful life, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and pause right here and leave a minute or two review talking about, you know, how this interview has impacted you. Um, we won't go anywhere. We'll be right here. So just go ahead and pause, leave a quick review, subscribe, and, um, come right back to the interview. Um, so Rob, I- what we what we were just talking about is so powerful. You're talking about how the suffering turns into gratitude, right? And then it begs the question of what can I do for someone else? Yeah, and you become a more generous person. And then you're in your case, you're wanting to uplift them through the stories you tell. Um, how do you think about? Emotionally connecting people to causes and how how can this parallel you know other avenues that people explore their purpose? Like not everyone's a you know a visual storyteller or film storyteller But how can someone that has a different medium that they access their purpose? Still like, you know draw a parallel to to this whole process that emotionally connects people You know to form a community and be generous towards a cause.
1: Yeah um, wow. That's a big question. And I think there are kind of two questions in it, you know, right. The first is I think connecting people on a human level when I, when I shoot, you know, sometimes I'll shoot, um, an organization and, uh, I always want to get to the people that they're helping the people on the ground. So again, whether it's the, the poacher in Africa, who's now a beekeeper or a seamstress or the, the homeless vet, Who's now the uh, a drug counselor and sober you know I always feel like the organization's best story the charity's best story are the people they help and I always tell the client that that's what I want to do first I want let, to let's tell those stories let's let's interview a bunch of people you've helped let's find out who's the most articulate or or compelling forget articulate who's who tells her story the best and in the most compelling fashion um, and but then there's some organizations where the CEO wants to be on camera. And I think, you know, I'll tell an organization that, you know, that works. You know your story best and, and you're articulate and you're good on camera and you're media ready. But honestly, I think the people you help tell the story better, they're the better endorsement. So um, that's what I try to uh, encourage in terms of filmmaking is, is get to the people that you've helped. And let's tell that story in that fashion. In terms of what else people can do, you know, not everyone's a filmmaker. You know, I also think we live in a world, though, of communication. And, you know, Tanner, that's what you're doing, right, with this podcast. Right. So I do encourage people uh, to do one of two things in their life. And, and I'm trying to discover this for myself. I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly learning this, and I'm new to it. But what I think I'm finding is I think it's good to work at the ground level as a volunteer to help someone because it just gives you, it's going to give you personal satisfaction and it's going to be incredibly rewarding. And frankly, people need it. So I think, I always think high, low, you know, low being, be on the ground, volunteer, drive to a food bank once a week and drop off food. It takes like an hour. That's it. Once a week. Talk to a guy uh, who's dying in in uh, in a hospice. I talk to that person twice a week for an hour for two, an hour each time. Um, but then also, you know, I think we live in a time of advocacy, and where advocacy is important. And I think, you know, and it's a it's a funny word, right? You know, I've I've been called many different things, and and, and I would say. I think at my best, I'm a storyteller. Maybe I'm also a little bit of an advocate, you know, because in the stories I'm telling, I'm trying to advocate for these people to some degree. I'm not, you know, a demonstrator. I'm not a protester. I'm not, uh, and, and trust me, I, if, if you want to protest and demonstrate, mm-hmm. I have demonstrated, I have marched, and I believe in all that. Right. But I do think the most important thing is being an advocate like advocate for something. And there are many ways that you can do that. You can have a podcast. You can be a filmmaker. You can be a photographer. Everyone's a photographer now. Come on. You know, take a photograph, you know, when you're on that bridge, you know, protesting. Take a photograph, submit it to somebody. Right. I think that we need to have a greater level of advocacy. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you can get to a higher level of advocacy through communications of some sort, I kind of encourage people to do that and i think we're all pretty creative today. you know, i mean when i look at the filmmaking that's being done, when i see the podcast being done, when i see the photography that's being done by the average amateur, it's just phenomenal. it's incredible what people are doing. so think highly of yourself. you know, you know, you know, i never thought that i, you know, i shot a lot of commercials, but i was never the guy behind the camera. i never thought i'd be able to operate a camera. you know, but you take some classes and you try it and you move forward and, and you take a shot. So I, I think, you know, to everyone, I mean, Tanner took courage for you to do a podcast, to learn how to set this up. You had to probably do a ton of work in terms of figuring out how to do it, how to edit it, um, which is not easy. And, um, and so I think everyone should try to do two levels of contribution, whether it's volunteering on the ground and, and then advocacy of some sort.
0: For sure. And then they go hand in hand. You tell a better story because you have firsthand experience and then you advocate better at the higher levels because you, you've
1: had some wisdom around what you're talking about. Yeah. Not just theory. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I just think there's also two different rewards. I mean, I've, I, I, there's such joy and reward when you, when you work with someone hand in hand, Yeah, you know, and, and I, And I feel bad that there's so many people who donate and donations are important. They're critical. You know, you're a philanthropist, God, God love you. Um, But if you're not on the ground, you know, connecting with people, then I think you're missing out. And I wish I'd done more of it in my life.
0: Right. Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Rob Feekins on creating emotionally connective films for social good. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Rob talking about his brand as a filmmaker for non-profitable organizations and charities, his thoughts and suggestions on activating awareness, Pop's mission to elevate community participation, and finally, how living his purpose has influenced other people in one way or another.